Hello. 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 Anybody there? Why? It's a museum. I've always felt at home in museums. <laughs> Giant robot. Beat you, cock. Cybermen. Beat you. Daleks. Beat you, Davros. Davros. Whew. I beat him as well. I was irresistible in those days. Irresistible. Yeti. <laughs> Gundan robot. Avoid sea devil, ice warrior, Krog, Krog, Shadow. And coming up in this episode, we're back and we're on location. Where? In Grantham. <laughs> That's right, we're on a train. We're in Grantham and we're on our way to Cambridge. Oh, well, here we are. Well, there's two of us. It's uh, me, Sam, and... It's me, Charlie. And we're going to be meeting up uh, with our esteemed colleague Greg in Cambridge. Uh, so we're on an early train, Saturday morning, and we're going to be walking around and looking at some of the locations uh, for the famously cancelled classic Doctor Who serial, Sharda. The untransmitted story. Why wasn't it transmitted, Ma? Of course we didn't finish it. Starring Dennis Carey and Christopher Neem, written by Douglas Adams. I thought it was a very good script. There was an invisible spaceship, Douglas said. Anyone can design a visible spaceship, but to design an invisible spaceship, that needs imagination. I think he said that, or did he say? I think he said genius, yes, he said genius. Poor old Douglas. I wonder what became of him. <laughs> That's right, Cambridge, about 1979. Punting on the cam. There was a choir on the corner as I biked by, singing Fauré's Requiem or some train song or other. Daniel Hill. I'd heard he'd become the manager of a, an old people's home, or maybe he went into an old people's home, I can't remember. Anyhow, we're not far off having to change trains uh, to get to... Uh to get to Cambridge to meet Greg Jameson. Uh, hopefully he's there and his train hasn't been cancelled. We know he has been, but uh, <laughs> hopefully he'll he'll be there waiting for us. So we're going to nip off, change trains, and uh, see you in Cambridge. There he is. Sorry, we're having a few problems with the, uh, the gates. Yeah. Yeah. Meeting a flapjack. 
Yes, you finished oh. to put me on. Oh, well, good. I've got some jelly babies. Oh, oh like fantastic. Baby. <laughs> it's the first time we've all been together. Indeed. It's been a, a very, very long time. We're in Cambridge Station. And how was your journeys? It was fine. It was fine. Oh, it was sorry, that's, that's my... Littering, Greg. You're littering. Yeah. Yes, it wasn't bad at all. I had a cheese sandwich on route as well, so uh, kept me going. Fantastic. Yeah, we had a cup of coffee. Did you? Mid station. Mid station, then we missed our connection. So we were worried we were going to be late. Could you get her a jelly baby? Oh, go on then. I'm not doing any jelly babies, they're MS jelly babies. Oh, I've got a green one. A green baby. A Greta Thunberg of sweets. I'm terrible for MS. Normally, if I get to a railway station, I don't pop into news agents and stuff. But if I see an MS, I do like to pop in. That'll do, yeah. Patronise them. So, what are we going to do now then, folks? We're going to sit down and. Have a drink and well, decide our. That's it, finally. After two years, almost, we're all here in person. <laughs> we made it happen. We're just going to find a pub, shall we? Yeah. And we'll decide our route, where we're going to walk around and, and what we're going to do. Yes. Now, now you've been here before, you? you know the, the laird or land, Greg. So I have been here before. When your um, hands of it. There was a public house immediately next door, if memory serves. It wasn't a particularly. Um, Salubrious one. It's salubrious enough, it's, well, well, as I say, it sort of lacks a bit of urban charm, I think, but um, <laughs> it, it, it'll, it'll serve for a, a sort of preliminary... Um, Wrecking. Um, yes, okay. I think. Fine. And then we'll find a sort of more cosy Inspector Morse type one as we go, because Inspector Morse was famously filmed in Cambridge. Yes. Yeah. There's plenty, I'm sure. Mm. But there's a red line at uh, Cranchester, but it's raining, I noticed, so we might have to... Yes, I brought my brolly. I wasn't yeah. going to. And then the... I've got a hood. I've got a brolly. Well, let's uh, let's go wet our whistles. Ooh, yes. She's gonna cry until I tell her that I'll never roll. So Chattanooga choo-choo, won't you choo-choo me home? Chattanooga, Chattanooga, all aboard. Chattanooga, Chattanooga, get aboard. Chattanooga, Chattanooga, Chattanooga choo-choo, won't you choo-choo me home? Chattanooga choo-choo. Yes, they say it never rains in Cambridge. Well, today's the exception that proves the rule. What does that mean? I've no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's peeing it down, though. I'll, I'll go that far. So uh, where are we headed I to? I bought my brolly. Well, if we turn left here, uh, and we're on to... Um, with this area, there's an ox farm there. I'm pretty okay. sure we're going towards the, the, the opening shot from Sharda when uh, uh, Parsons is on his bike going past the colleges. So I'm pretty sure it's down here. Okay, Parsons being uh, Daniel Hill, of course. The very same. Right, okay. Yes, the, the, uh, the character actor in uh, Waiting for God with uh, Graham Crowden, who was nearly Doctor Who number four. Yes, the Doctor Who connection. Another Doctor Who connection. Did you know we're recording a decade to the day since we lost Philip Maddock? Ah, oh, how lovely. Yes, He was in Philip. four Doctor Whos. He was. His best one, I think, was probably Power of Crow. <laughs> then the Crotons. <laughs> uh, then the... Power of Crow and the, and the Crotons. Yes, I think they were his top two, weren't they? I a understand. Of I think rather more forgettable stories. I forget which one. He was very unhappy, wasn't he, with the Power of Crow, with the role he was given. And I can't blame him actor of some prestige oh yes given nothing to do he went on to do a, a mind to kill didn't he do you remember that i was doing my air levels at the time it was a welsh series mind to, he played mcbain a detective he looked very like my english teacher yes well i um i spoke to him about a show he was in called first kill from about 1990 which features charles dance and i know i've told the story but it's worth repeating oh, yes. 
and I said, oh, I really liked First Kill you did with Charles Dance uh, in about 1990. And he said, oh, yes, yes, Charles Dance. He's good, that boy, isn't he? The boy, <laughs> the boy's quite good. I think the boy is about 72. <laughs> Bless him. But, you know, we forget that yes. Philip Maddock was of great age, actually. I mean, he'd been around the block a few times. He must, if he was still alive now, he'd easily be into his 90s, wouldn't he? Uh, well, I think I think late eighties certainly, but yeah. he'd, uh, he was also in the Peter Cushing Dalek movie, wasn't he? He gets Marvelous. a good, a good end scene in that, doesn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yes, he's surrounded by Daleks, isn't he? And gets blown up in the shed. Yes, he used to be married to Ruth Maddock. Heidi, hi. Mm. Uh, uh, Holy ho! A pop, pop, of mine, pop uh, to the holiday. Former colleague of mine uh, lives just round the corner from uh, Ruth Maddock. Our listeners might be intrigued to know that in the last couple of years, Ruth Maddock's had a new kitchen. There's an exclusive ah, for you. Excellent. OK. Well, tell us about um, uh, Miss Dunlop, your, your neighbour you mentioned. Oh, Leslie Dunlop. Is she, is she really a neighbour of yours? <laughs> Leslie Dunlop uh, from Frontios and the Happiness Patrol and the Elephant Man and many other and things. the Monster Club. And the Monster Club. And... Uh, Yes, yeah, she's in Emmerdale Farm now. Um, oh, yeah. Also made to December back in the 80s and oh, early Antoine 90s. Antoine Roger. Yeah, Antoine Roger. She, uh, uh, she uh, was living in Rodley fairly recently on the canal path. Uh, uh, not literally on the canal path. She, she, wasn't, she has a house, I presume. Um, she's not homeless. I know she's probably down on her luck doing Emmerdale Farm. But uh, yeah. yes, so she just lives it. around the corner. Yes. Can we get her in? Ah, ooh, well, I... I, I don't know. I, last time I saw her was in person in, in the uh, green room at uh, the Leeds Grand Theatre about three years ago before uh, pandemic put pay to all theatre. Well, if you see her, just, just lunge and say, you know, we, we, want you, we want you, Leslie, we want you. Do you know, he's not, not really an exclusive, but I, I understand she's actually married to the actor who plays Eric Pollard. Oh, was that right? Christopher Chittle. That's right, Chittle, yeah, Chittles. Who was a, who was a porn star. I, I believe so. Who was in porn films, yeah. Softcore porn now. A film called The Beast in the Cellar with uh, Beryl Reed. <laughs> the Beast in the Cellar sounds like a porn yeah, film. Yes, it does. Right, oh, Greg's leading the way. I'm not sure where to. Where's he leading us to, Charlie? He's found a hostelry. Ah, we're going into a pub. One of them open. Let's, let's see. There's nothing, nothing else open. Uh, let's hope this one's open. <laughs> Look very open. Oh, no, there's a lady in there. Oh, let's go. Let's do it. This is it. This is the Gimmel. Oh, we're actually on location. The, the Five Doctors Gimmel. Okay, so we're walking down. We're look. We're walking down the Gimmel where Tom Baker, as Doctor Who, gets uh, chased by the uh, the Grey Ball. Yes, Gimmel. That's quite a quite a northern word, isn't it? I think it's sort of Alan Bennett type but word. The, the gates of God. The built at the end. Oh. <laughs> There's a big white thing at the end. Of the, the Time Lords have been here. But the, uh, the road markings are still there, yes. aren't they? Well, the the, we, need, we need to do a photo shoot here. This is, of course, featured in the Five Doctors as well, Greg. Five Doctor Who's, yes. They're all in it. Well, it seems, uh, seems logical that we have a pint and a metre after this. Was it a, a sort of multi-storey car park, was it here? Is that what they're yes, doing the building? Right. So it was the TARDIS here. Okay. It was here, the TARDIS was here. I'm now standing where the TARDIS Oh. So Charlie, you're stood right where where the TARDIS, the TARDIS was. was. Yeah. So oh. Romano pops head out and says, "Doctor," and he says, "Yes, coming." <laughs> and then he gets up and runs into the TARDIS, shutting his, his scarf in the door in the process. But this is it. This is the Gimmel. Do you know? On a drier day, I would lie over there on the corner and click my fingers. I know you would. <laughs> 
wouldn't you greg on a drier day you would go to that corner lie down stick your feet underneath and then click your fingers and click your fingers and jump up what <laughs> <Come> <laughs> oh yes look at that yeah it's left a mark see the burn marks see them burn marks. <laughs> take a picture of the burn marks greg oh, i think a picture of charlie's yeah. feet so there's a, there's a big uh, dark square where they've obviously dug up some tarmac and it's in the shape of the TARDIS. Let's do some, let's do some selfies. Because of the lovely weather that we've got here. This could be anywhere. It's fantastic to be uh, on this location where they film Chardon. Of course, it's now iconic in The Five Doctors, yes. as well as being the location where the Doctor is liberated from, uh, from the time scoop. Until I tell her that I'll never roam. So we're in the, not in the meter pub because that was shut, wasn't it, Greg? Shut. Yes, we're, we're in a very nice pub next door to it. I can't remember what it's called. It's the Baron of Beef. The Baron of Beef. A very nice young lady who's serving. It wasn't her fault, but we've just had to wait an awfully long time for some. I don't know, what, what do we call them? Urbanites, I suppose, ordering coffees, lattes and things like that in a, in a pub. People, people in, in suits and ties on a weekend. Yes. Suspicious immediately from, in my playbook. But it's a, a Green King pub, which are reliably cheap. So for three pints of bitter, it only cost, what, eighteen ninety? was it? No, it was a, tickle, a tickle over £13. Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> London, you'd be lucky to get change out of... 25 quid, I think. Oh, absolutely disgraceful. But the, but the point is, this is not London. No, it isn't. So it shouldn't be that expensive. No. no. <laughs> well, cheers, guys. I think we can be fairly confident that with this being the location right next door to the little Ginnel, where, yes. where, where the, the TARDIS was parked and Tom filmed a, a number of sequences, that he would have frequented possibly both of these pubs. Oh, I'll wait. Yes. Multiple times. So, uh, Probably Dougie Adams as well. Cheers, uh, cheers, Tom. Cheers, uh, Tom. Cheers to you. Yes. So Tom Baker was Doctor Who in this one, was he? He was. Um, which is really a, a good moment for us to move on from our little location scout for a moment into the Time Space Visualizer, where we're going to talk generally about... Shada. I thought it was the Five Doctors. No, it's Shada. Shada. Time Space Visualizer. Yes, here we are, talking about Sharda. We all have access to different copies of this. This is going to be quite interesting in terms of what of our experiences are. I mean, Greg, you first. What was your, what was your first experience of Sharda? That's what I was going to ask Well, I missed you. it on first broadcast. So I, I, <laughs> Did you? Yes, yes. When was it first broadcast? Never. Oh. <laughs> Charlie, so what are we, why are we talking about it then? Charlie can fill us in on the reasons why, I'm sure, for the, for the people that don't know. If, if you like, yes. Industrial action at the BBC meant that we had a, um, was it one one block in the studio and the location stuff was finished before they had to, uh, it was lights out and they had to can the rest of it. Never remounted, really so it was always um, the unfinished Doctor Who, Tom Baker story. And sat in the, uh, the vaults for many years. Well, until 83, I suppose, when it was dusted down for the Five Doctors. But there were, until the release, official release, it wasn't until... Was it 91? 91 or 92, yeah. Right? yeah. The VHS pack with a script book and all that stuff. And that was J&T's work, wasn't it? And uh, that was the first exp- exposure I had to it. And I didn't even have the tape at the time because the tape was incredibly expensive. Mm. And then when it was out of production, commanded ridiculous prices 
on the convention circuit market. My friend got a NTSC copy uh, from America, of course, and he had a multi-region uh, player and did me a VHS dub of it. And so I was watching this horrific... with Andrew Bove, if you remember. Oh, him. I remember Bove, um, yes. Good egg. Yeah, good, good egg. Like said, you've darkness. Yes, he does. He likes all that stuff. And um, that's the copy I watched. And it was a very odd experience because the first episode is pretty much intact, isn't it? And then it uh, gets less and less returns until maybe the last episode where it picks up again. And then you have like a... A very glorious Tom Baker in his medic suit. Yes, his 1991 medic suit. Almost, I suspect, filmed back-to-back with the Tom Baker years mm. cassette. At the Momi. At the Momi. Yes, the Momi. And he's in full full fettle, isn't he? He's like, like ah, Yeti. Yeti. <laughs> Gundan robot. But of course, they found all the asbestos, didn't they? And then they, they, they tried to mount it in a tent. No, Greg, no, 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 no. <laughs> You've got it all wrong. Didn't they do it in a BBC car? Stop getting who wrong, Greg. <laughs> this is when people check out and never come back. <laughs> I think you'll find. <laughs> we'll be getting complaints on Twitter. But yeah, so that was my first encounter with it. Was the VHS release? I think probably the same for all of us. Um, however, I was slightly distracted by Keith McCullough's score, which is not representative of the 1970s at all. No. It's a, like a late 80s, early 90s Pete Waterman soundtrack. Hooked on Kef. Hooked on Kef. Extravaganza. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So he wrote it for the VHS release. He did, because it wasn't scored, of course. That's right. That's right. So that's what we've gotten. Because Dudley had been laid off by the time it, was, it came around to it. Yeah. Yes. Well, he'd retired to Australia, perhaps, hadn't he? Maybe he well, was... JNT laid him off. Yeah. It, was, ah. it was lacking what Dudley Simpson enjoyed saying, marimba. There wasn't enough marimba. <laughs> Zing! Zing! No strings, no percussion. No, no, no oboes. No, no oboes, I was going to say. <laughs> Lots of that. Oh, good. Yeah. So I, I always had a, a lukewarm feeling to it, really. I think more of my association is the footage that was used in The Five Doctors. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Which was the first Doctor Who story I ever saw. Ah, so this does have significance, this location for you. Yes, 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 it does, yes. It's, it's, it's like being recalled back, like chunks of my past detaching themselves, like melting icebergs down an alleyway in... <laughs> oh, he makes it Cambridge. sound like Shakespeare, doesn't he, when Greg says it? Now, Charlie, on the train up, uh, you are talking about a few things about Sharda before we started recording, and one was that you actually had a bootleg copy. Is this oh, right? Yes. Well, I think you're aware that, that, that my um, formative experience of Doctor Who was all via bootleg VHS from, from a certain person who will remain uh, nameless, <laughs> Wayne Shepherd, um, And he, he uh, delivered to us a copy of the Sharda uh, rushes, basically. Um, I don't know how I got hold of it, but it was the same with the... Missing episodes at the time, which obviously hadn't been released. So did we it had... feel a bit like Moses coming down, uh, delivering uh, tablets unto you? Oh, I can't, I can't begin to tell you how it felt. It was just incredible. And we went into his bedroom, and he said, "Well, what, what do you fancy, lads?" I said, well, it would start with a, with a big hitter. Have you got Inferno? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. One well, my favourites. We just fell, we just fell over yeah. uh, with, with amazement that these things were were available, but. Of the batch that we would be borrowed, Sharda was, was one of them. Obviously, it was a very bad copy, um, but it was the it was the the raw uh, studio stuff and the the location stuff. But the studio stuff was was great because it was there was no uh, sound effects, there was no um, uh, there was no soundtrack. So it was just the the, the, the guys uh, on the, in the first scene just doing about in their seats, 
for, for no apparent reason. It was quite comical, really. And in between the scenes that existed, there was like a BBC Micro kind of CFAX-type page explaining what happened next in the script and sort of fill in the gaps, if you like. Um, it wasn't anything you could really follow in terms of narrative, uh, but it was because it was so exclusive and so obviously rare as hen's teeth at the time was quite thrilling really yeah. can I ask a sort of some, possibly a slightly silly question so was, was, the, was the footage that existed was that only edited together for the VHS cassette release then um, so you weren't watching the ed- it edited together you were watching no I, th- I think we were no it wasn't, it wasn't I say it was the rushes it wasn't the rushes it was the actual hmm. footage that you see on the screen uh, so it wasn't there was no sort of studio uh, you know quiet please quiet please stuff. it was all actual usable stuff so they right. started to edit it together because I was looking up they filmed it in October and it was scheduled to be aired only a couple of months later wasn't it right at the end of it would have been uh, early uh, 1980 yeah, after, 1980 after 9 yeah. ah right yes of course I might be completely wrong on this and people will correct us but my understanding is in terms of the film unit content that would most likely have been cut together frame for frame and ready to be dropped into the studio as inserts by that stage so I think might be wrong but I, I suspect that the at least the film footage would have been cut and all that was left uncut was the studio material which has been then cut together by some fan yeah my question as well is did they drop in any of the orb effects or any of that or was that completely clean no none none it was it was completely clean that's why it was so odd <laughs> you know just some blokes just wrapped into something that wasn't there yes um was 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 very odd but it was comical and entertaining in its own right mm. at the time because the next version that came out, which not many people have seen, I believe, is Ian Levine paid an awful lot of money to get people back to fill in some scenes with audio. He commissioned some special effects, I believe, yeah, to be shot. I mean, it's, it's amazing how he managed to, to get the whole cast back, apart from um, the guy who played Professor Cronotis. Um, Dennis Carey. Dennis Carey, yeah, who, who, who died at that time. But, ah. but the whole lot, everybody else came back. Victoria Burgoyne and Daniel Hillen... Um, Garpo Skagra, whose name was Christopher Neen. Christopher Neen, yes. yes, they all came back. He um, was in Licence to Kill. Well, he wasn't, and also Dead on Arrival, but he came, they all came back and did the, um, recorded the, the script, uh, which Ian Levine then put to animation of his own fashioning, or he got someone in to do that for him. Um, and that, it's quite uh, interesting to, to compare that to what, we, what was released on Blu-ray a few years later, because it's in effect the same thing mm. done by different people. Mm. Mm. Well, quite notoriously, uh, when Tom Baker was helping to promote the release of this on, on Blu-ray and, and DVD, uh, he's interviewed, I think, by ITV, and they cut away to a clip. Um, and the poor researchers that were involved, because there's so many fucking versions of Sharda. <laughs> there is. They found... Iterations. <laughs> they found the test footage on YouTube that um, Ian Levine had produced, seeded that into the interview, and now we're going to see a clip... Tom of, of the new animation and it's somebody else doing Tom Baker's voice and somebody else's animation and Ian Levine no doubt furious watching it mm. and Tom Baker's expression is, is wonderful it's like what the hell is this <laughs> and at the end she says thank you so much for your time he goes it's a pleasure anytime anytime <laughs> so, so, so some poor researcher got sat on the back of that yeah. gosh who knew who knew <laughs> but I got the uh, I don't know about you guys I got the, the, the Blu-ray a while ago uh, for Christmas never really got round to watching it fully um, and my my mum who bought it for me bless her she didn't just buy the Blu-ray she bought the lovely steelbook and it's gorgeous gorgeous little steelbook and I'm about halfway through watching this and I have to say it probably is the definitive version because there's scenes in there I've never seen 
which are animated. Daniel Hill, like you say earlier, uh, Charlie, with the, the book, putting it in the X-ray machine. Mm. Because Daniel Hill's voice is still exactly the same as it was yes, in, uh, it is, in 1979, it? and even Tom sounds pretty close, it marries together really nicely. And the footage looks great in, uh, in high def, so it's been a pleasure. And is it, is it Kath McCulloch's soundtrack still? It is not, and this is an issue ah. which... Uh, it's a bit of a craw, isn't it, for you? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's Mark Ayres, isn't it? Yeah, M- Mark Ayres, of, of whom we are big fans. Huge fan yeah. of Mark Huge fan of Mark Ayres. Like but, his hairs and grease. But I just think he's trying to um, emulate or, or it's an homage to his own, to Dudley Simpson's um, soundtrack for City of Death, oh, yeah. which is, is itself a homage to um, the soundtrack from a film which is called Englishman in Paris, is it? Oh, it, it's, I didn't it, that. it comes from that. It's 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 um, it's a kind of a yeah. It's a, it's a parody of that, but it's so similar. I think it just smacks of, of of Mark being fresh out of new ideas. Really, you saying it's you think it's quite nice to hark back to City of Death. I think it's just a bit too similar. So for those who are mm. uninitiated, it goes. Uh, that's the original. It's like a t- Channel Five documentary about the 1980s. Oh, it's great. It went na 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 na. What's what's the new one? I actually really like the score. I think it's it sounds as if something been produced by uh, Dudley Simpson, and it has some of the synthy bits going on. It has the little quartet, the chamber sound, the chamber choir sound. Mm. And there is a feel of this story really aligned to City of Death. Right. It looks like City of Death. It has the same feel, the light-hearted touch. The characters are slightly similar in terms. Of you've got Skagra, Skaroff. Were Tom and Lala in love or in hate at the time? I think in love, I'd say. It's a lovely... It was still the, the, the purple patch for mm. Tom and Lala, I think. Yeah. I think, yeah. isn't, doesn't it go off when basically he, turn, when he changes into his new costume? That's when it goes dark. Uh, well, he got, he got poorly and his, yeah. his, his, his um, um, patience was running a bit thin, I think. Yes. So he was yeah, a bit more... Um, Forthright, round the house. The, the May Day of their uh, relationship, yeah, then. I'd say so. I, I think. I think. Uh, I think this is kind of like the peak, yeah, as you say. Um, and uh, yeah, they seem very happy in the in the behind the scenes footage on the disc as well together working together. Tom is clearly three sheets to the wind for most of it. <laughs> in the studio footage. I, I was going to say oh, yeah. which bit or just his entire <laughs> life. <laughs> So I think he's sober in the next season. I think this season is his peak drinking. Well, he couldn't be drunk in charge of a bicycle in, in Cambridge. <laughs> arrested for that. Special dispensation for being Doctor Who, saving the Do universe. You know <laughs> Indeed. From Skagra. It's very difficult to rate something like this because yes. it's not really a, a full-blooded Doctor Who story. It's more of an experiment in trying to present something that is, is half-finished. Um, so it's hard to grade. Um, yes. I mean, I love it, but I don't think it's anywhere near as good as, say, City of Death. 
than the others. I sort of think of it in a, a bit of a sort of way, I think, of the invasion or um, the web of fear, in that it's just so bloody frustrating that it's not intact, and yeah. that, that sort of spoils my enjoyment of the whole, because it's it's not all there, if you see what I mean. You know. There's a bit missing. It's, it's flawed because it's not. It's incomplete. Mm. You, you can't get away from that, can you? Yeah. But can you still enjoy the bits which are there? Uh, I, I, are. The, the animation really brought it to life for me, I think, much more so than the VHS cassette. I've only watched it once. I can't watch it at the moment because I'm, I'm watching all of Doctor Who in order and I'm only up to the early John Pertwee's era. So, uh, You've got quite I, a few years to go until mm. you get to this one. Yeah. I saw it about a year ago, though, so it's relatively fresh in the old noggin. But technically, you shouldn't really be watching it until you finish Survival, because it wasn't mm. released until 1990 or 91, was it? I'm in a quandary there. I think I probably will watch it um, immediately after uh, Horns of Nine yes, Mon. Yes, you should. Um, I think that would be most logical. You can tell it's the season finale, and something that Charlie and I were wrestling with on the train was John Nathan Turner, who was, I believe, production unit manager mm. on this, Charlie. Um, Whatever happened to him? Was a genius at, in terms of making things work at the BBC, getting mm. around things, filming things in tents, shooting things on location, changing production blocks. Sharda should have been finished because all the money had been spent on the sets, hiring the actors, uh, the effects, all the filming had been done. Great expense for a six-parter. Quite remarkable that John Nathan Turner couldn't somehow, in his new role as producer, find an additional bit of money to bring the actors back to finish off the studio sessions. And Charlie, what was your theory behind it? Well, I, yeah, I... I my understanding is that, that that was that crossed his mind and he did make inquiries about getting some extra money to, to finish it off but was told no it's you know move on we want a new a new big splash for the new season uh, with um, obviously season 18 but at the same time if I had been in his shoes I'd have thought well this is someone else's work you know it's incomplete it's not mine even though he was involved in, in the making of it I'd have thought well I want a, a fresh start you know fresh costume fresh title sequence let's move on and, and leave it um, so I would understand if that was the, the case but I believe he was he was kind of in two minds about it and he did think about going ahead and, and finishing it off but just for reasons that aren't, aren't clear there was I mean at the time of course we know that inflation was was rampant and things weren't good yeah. in terms of, of uh, digital relations so to, to, to try and turn it around might may have been quite a challenge. The climate was very difficult in the late 1970s I mean it wasn't unusual that sort of industrial action uh, at the time yeah. um, but to say in John Nathan Turner's defence though he was obviously scarred by it because he did uh, my little joke earlier of course was in reference to the greatest show in the galaxy where he famously said this is not going to be another Sharda yes. he, he bore that memory and that sort of you know, great regret. I think that he never did. Uh, that they never did complete yeah. Shardas. Yeah. I wonder if it was down to availability because those actors may have been booked on shows after mm. that. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. But it's such a shame because there was a cut-off point where maybe a year later they could have pulled it off, but after that, not a chance. Yeah. And as you say, it's so different to what John was going to produce. Mm. So in terms of tone aesthetics and everything mm. uh, he, he wanted to have started a, a, with a fresh sheet and it was very much would have been a step back for him mm. personally so I understand entirely why he didn't do it but I'm obviously grateful to him for hanging on to the footage and, and releasing it eventually as, as obviously yeah. we, we, we got to see it in the end and my own personal view on this is that the, the footage in Cambridge alone makes it you know, worth cherishing really because it's, it's, it's so fantastic and it's clear that 
Tom and Lala are getting on like a house on fire, which is which comes across in the performance, which is lovely. You know, it really is. Um, uh, you know, it's it, it lifts the heart to watch that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're all good in it, aren't they? It's an excellent cast. I, um, I mean, Daniel Hill is, is is a standout for me. I think he's really good in it. That's great, yeah. And has the hallmarks of potentially being a companion. Yeah, because of the, the 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 play, he could have been the third wheel really yeah. in the TARDIS with with Lala Ward, and they could have had a romance going there between the characters. Yeah. It could have really worked. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe if Graham Williams had stayed on for another year, and if this had been finished, he could have ended up becoming a regular. It'd be interesting to know if if Daniel would have been interested in that role. Mm. Well, we'll ask him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But he's a great character, and he's obviously a manifestation of Douglas Adams, isn't he? Well, this is the mm. next point. Yes. The undergraduate humour, mm. yeah. I think, comes to, to a peak with this one. Yes. Tom calling him Bristol and stuff. You know, it's, it's all very in-jokey. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Which isn't a bad thing, but it's it's you know we, we, the Adams era is known for the undergraduate humour, and I think this really is just underlines that completely. That it was all about. I wonder if even Oxbridge invented that though with Brideshead Revisited, his 1963 novel. Maybe, maybe. But yeah, it, it it does reach that peak. Yeah. And then within a year, it's so different. It's yeah. gone. It's gone then, into the Chris then, Bidmead world. Then, then yes. Christopher Hamilton Bidmead yeah. comes in, and it's a, it's a completely different show. Humorless. It's not altogether a bad thing, but yeah, a, a very very different show. Mm. No yeah. two ways about it. Yeah. Yes, I think the thing I get from Shardo, I think it really is the apex, as you say, of the undergraduate humour aspect of the show. Is they are the performances, Tom's performance particularly, Lala Ward's performance, not Daniel Hills or the supporting cast, interestingly, but the regulars. They're very much playing it as a performance. You can yes. see it's very knowing. Mm. Yeah, it's very knowing, and you can see they're enjoying acting, which is bad because they're showing their technique and it's not lazy it's indulgent and they're having too much of a good time yeah. and when you see Tom not having a good time the next year you get some of the best performances out well, of him well this goes back to Horror of Fang Rock when Tom was in a bad mood oh, he was brilliant it <laughs> <laughs> has deprived Tom of his local boozer and you know he's knockout yeah, yeah that's right yeah. sorry you're not going to the pub it's back to the uh, the travel tavern in Birmingham for you tonight <laughs> And your travel tavern. Is there a bar? No, but there's breakfast. <laughs> yes, there's a bar. Yeah. It closes at 10.30. <laughs> what? <laughs> and you're working extra hours tonight. <laughs> Do those pick-up shots. <laughs> Bugger. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's, it's great fun in the same way Horns of Nymon is fun. Oh, yes. But it indulges itself rather too much, not just in terms of the script, but in terms of the production, I think. Even yeah. setting it in Cambridge, it was uh, that's a very Douglas Adams sort of idea, yeah, isn't yeah. it? I mean, and it's very sort of Pink Floydy as well, isn't it? Yeah, well, uh, Grantchester Meadows uh, features the, the, the scenes with the cow pat and the angler were, were filmed at uh, uh, Grantchester, which we know is uh, one of the tracks off the uh, 1969 album, Omagama. Ah! So it's a Pink Floyd reference straight away yeah. Yeah. But I think it wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't Dougie Adams friendly with with the uh, Pink Floyd the Pink Floyd crew intellectuals weren't they? I think Pink Dougie Floyd, appeared on stage with with uh, Pink Floyd playing guitar at some point wow. in, the, in the 80s yeah, yeah. so there was a, again it's it's a very close sort of knit kind of thing the sort of the um, they were all sort of architects and yes. things like that weren't they a bit like Queen very clever you know, people all, all, all uh, well educated yeah. mm. clever but also quite artistic so yeah thankfully mm. 
Yeah. It's a difficult one to grade, and uh, mm. it's my round next, so we should probably get the grades in now. And hey. are we going to are we going to grade this on as a general Doctor Who story, or the version that we saw in terms of the effort that went into it? Mm. And I think you can see where I'm going with this. In terms of slightly apologising for that, for the fact that half of it's missing, and an awful lot of love has gone into finally getting it into some kind of shape that we can mm. enjoy. Yeah. Um, and I think before we actually do grade it, I should just mention there is another version out there, aside from the novel, oh, by yes, Gareth should, Roberts. Should mention that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Big Finish went to quite a lot of effort to make an audio recording, I think in 2003, with Paul McGann, yeah. which many people say is the ultimate version because it's the most consistent and even-handed, which I should imagine it is even-handed. It's, at least it's all in one media. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've not listened to that for some time, but I remember it being very good, and the interplay between... Paul McGann and Lala Ward was, was nice. Mm, yeah, I haven't well. listened to that for a long time. I think I have a copy. We, we should mention the rest of the cast as well. I mean, yes. Dennis Carey and the fact that Daniel Hill and the lady... Victoria Burgoyne. That's right. Became uh, romantically attached, didn't they? She's a production And then they got married. No, no, not, not Victoria. Victoria Burgoyne played the, the female lead in, in Sharda. Ah. But she didn't marry uh, Daniel Hill. Who did he marry then? Production. Uh, floor manager or production oh, unit manager, right, I believe, okay. or something right. like that. Oh, I'm completely wrong about that. No, not the production unit manager. That was John Nathan Turner. <laughs> All right. I'll take that back. I think they had a civil partnership. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Let's get this straight. Right Gary now. Downey was fuming. Oh. Get, get it straight. <laughs> I think she was a uh, production assistant. Yes. Uh, uh, right. on, uh, so, so she was working for John. Yeah. Uh, Romance was blooming on, in more than one direction. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Incredibly sweet because till this day they are still happily married so that's, yeah, that's a nice story yeah, it is. You know, yes, from and Dennis Carey of course came back to play the the android in Time Lash yes five years yes. later one of his final yes. roles yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, he, um, he directed my colleague Robert Gillespie the, the Royal Shakespeare right? company Dennis Carey yes I don't think I think I'm right in saying Robert didn't think he was notably good. He wasn't one of the better directors that they had yeah. at that time. Um, but it's all in uh, Robert's uh, memoirs. Oh, oh, there we go. You see that segue. One. We'll be coming back to that one later as well. Yes, indeed. In the um, in the rough cuts and the, and the bits that we see on the floor from Sharda, Dennis Carey's performance as Dennis Carey is not too different from Perenna. Yes, I can notice. That. He's quite doddery and uh, confused. So I don't think there was too much technique required there. Mostly method. Him well, being a doddery old man. Well, of course, the year before he'd played Dockerly, hadn't he, in Blake Seven, which is very much the same character again, <laughs> yes. but in a, in a funny hat. <laughs> <laughs> so it is my round next, so before we go, we should probably sum this up. And I think, uh, shall I jump in first with my TARDISes out of five? Go on, yeah. I'm going to give it special um, dispensation as a missing story and the love that's gone into it and the pleasure it is just to watch it recreated in high def with Tom's voice with all the cast back in it and some you know pretty damn good animation that plugs the gaps it's as good as it's going to get and it's a moment it's pure 1979 you know it's good doc too a table wine not the best vintage <laughs> but a good one and for that alone I have to give it four out of five times. Yeah. It's 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 damn good stuff. Mm. Um, I'm going to read the book soon so I get a more general view. Yeah. Mm. But, great. But uh, oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But it's thoroughly enjoyable in terms of a Doctor Who story. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I'd I'd agree with that. I give it four as well. Just Tom in the summer '79 on a punt or on a bike in Cambridge, having a whale of a time, just being Tom. You know, it's just it itself is worth the uh, the. Uh, entropy so yeah um, it, it isn't 
uh, it doesn't hold together particularly well as a story or as a narrative, but the, the, some of its parts, you know, not really, but taking it in isolation, the bits we have are, are worth cherishing. So, yeah, I, I, I love it very much. Yeah, I mean, some bits are lovely. I, lo- I love the location filming, uh, especially, as Charlie says, uh, Tom in a punt. I mean, that's just uh, magical stuff. Um, I like Christopher Neem as the baddie. Uh, he's a, a, a good actor. Um, the fact that almost, almost all of it is missing, I mean, this is just one of my biases, but it's like a sort of a, uh, an itch that I can't quite scratch, uh, that, that one, uh, that, that element of it. So, um, yeah, I think overall, uh, and as I agree with what you were saying, Sam, that it's a little bit indulge, self-indulgent as well, so I'd probably knock it down to 3.5, but it, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's jolly good stuff. Excellent. Okay, so we're pretty much in agreement. One thing I need to add before we split um, is in the Five Doctors, they were looking for footage mm. from Sharda of Doctor Who being chased by this ethereal capture device. Yes. Which was dramatic, running around, captured, and then is then is somewhat uh, released again later in the episode. They don't choose the shot of him running past the meter pub. No. With the with the ball, or the Baron of Beef, or the Baron of Beef that we're in now. <laughs> yes, um, they choose him punting, and thinking that's a weird choice, very strange. Well, obviously he's punting with Lala, so there's no other scenes, location scenes with him and, and Romana together. Ah, so that may explain that. But I, I agree, it would have been perfect. But again, is it too similar to the the Pertwee and Bessie scene? I suppose you could just change that scene to make you know to, for, for some more variety, but but no, I think it's, it's it's a fair point. And also bear in mind that the Five Doctors was trying to get an awful lot in a quite a short space of time, so they didn't have much time to to spend really on on um, on the footage. Or was uh, John Nathan Turner being incredibly diligent with continuity and making sure it wasn't interfering with Sharda when he would release it ten years later on VHS? <laughs> because they do t- literally take him out of the story and then return him to some degree in the same place. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Okay, was well, it three pints of bitter chaps? I, I should cocoa. Don't mind if I do. I better get a second mortgage out then. <laughs> Are we now, Greg? What are we doing? Well, well, we're looking at uh, Saint Edward's Passage, which is where um, Christopher Neem, who uh, played Skagra in uh, Scaro, I think it was called Scaro, uh, he, he emerged from the Passage there, uh, and, and a lady falled over, fell over just there. Where it's now called Punting Tickets sold here, traditional Cambridge tours. Charlie, fill us in. That's my best best part of the show is that woman falling over for no reason. <laughs> Having watched the original uh, uh, Rushes, it's just a, a lady falls over. You know, high drama in Doctor Who. <laughs> but Scarra comes out of the, the, the passage. It's not, not Malthouse Passage, it's, it's another passage. And he, he sees a guy in corduroy, in, in double corduroy, God, corduroy yeah. jacket no and corduroy trousers, <laughs> and says, Oi, um, can you offer me a ride? Can you help me out, old, old chap? And he says, Yes, hop, hop in. Hop now, in. As you would do, of course, if some guy in a big billowing cheesecloth cape and, and <laughs> bibbity bobbity hat and carpet bag <laughs> appeared in the high street, you'd say, Of course, yeah, hop in here. Yeah. And they'd drive away in that direction down there. So, for listeners that don't have visuals on this, because no one does, <laughs> Charlie's referring to up the street. Yeah. As opposed to down the street, <laughs> um, 
We're in Cambridge. Thank yeah. you for that, Sam. Yeah, yeah that's where we are. Yeah. So it's all very interesting. Yeah. I love the fact that people are stopping to look at our microphone. Yes, like we're up to no good. Yes, well, we are up to no good. Yes. Well, we are comedians, after all. So, should we cross the street to have a look at the yes, King's right. George, the King's George Visitor Centre, which is where there's a little bit of uh, <coughs> signposting Please available. Selfie first. We'll, we'll get a picture of, of the, the passage and, and post it on Twitter. So, ha- have a check it out if you can. Yes. I don't know if our listeners feel this might sound a little bit like uh, regional radio. Uh, I'm here at the. Uh, the fate which is just being opened um, and we have Colin Baker here talking to us. It's blatantly obvious to a blind spiel snake that I am working under duress. Here we are just uh, on our way out of Cambridge now and we uh, popped through the market on our way out and uh, came across a bookstore didn't we and I said uh, Oh, wouldn't it be funny if we came across some target novelizations? And lo and behold, yeah, we thought the motherload of that. But <laughs> there was the motherload of, of target novelizations. They're pretty good, Nick, weren't they? They were in mint condition, so we've just bought uh, a few copies, haven't we, Greg? Uh, yes. What did you get? I got Doctor Who and the Two Doctors. Oh, lovely. Because uh, I, I do have that. I mean, I have them all, but this one had a. It was in mint condition, and mine was very well thumbed. Okay, well. I, I picked up a copy of um, Attack of the Cybermen, first edition, uh, mint condition, and uh, Black Orchid as well, first edition, mint condition. Yeah, that's very nice. Yeah. So uh, did, cover Black Orchid did really well, and I was asking Charlie. I said, well, Charlie, why, why didn't you pick up any any of those copies? And uh, I said you could have picked up a copy of The Wheel in Space. <laughs> and I said, how many copies of The Wheel of Space do you have in your collection? How many do you have, Charlie? I've got enough. I've got 14. Yeah. Yeah, so 14! He doesn't need any more target. That's a big no. secret. <laughs> I, have the, I have them all. 14. To ramp up the prices. Absolutely outrageous. Like diamonds are forever. <laughs> I, I own them all. Yes. <laughs> are you going to burn them all to increase the prices even more? <laughs> it's very tempting. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so that was a, a lovely end to our little uh, little day break that we've had in Cambridge, and I hope you've enjoyed it with us as well. We'll be back soon uh, with more exciting adventures in time and space where all roads lead to Doctor Who, of Doctor course. Doctor Who, yes, I remember that. Indeedy. So come back next time and join us for more adventures with all that and more in the next exciting adventure of Doctor Who and... The Complete Menagerie. But almost, almost. Cheerio. <laughs> If you enjoyed listening to that twaddle, you can follow us on Twitter at DW Menagerie. That's at DW Menagerie, and we'll be tweeting various photographs of our inside leg measurements and that sort of thing. Doctor Who is copyright of the BBC. No infringements on copyright are intended. Support Doctor Who by purchasing DVDs and CDs and all other media from the BBC. Any comments made by the complete menagerie, <laughs> almost, are all our own. You've been listening to a Sixth Floor production. <laughs>